And we're live here on Night Shift following a very nice, easy UCF victory over Temple, 49-7. to Welcome. I'm Eric Lopez alongside Andrew Glukoff. This is, of course, the Black and Gold Banner at Night Shift, where we come on after UCF football games. And then today's show, pretty historic, Drew. We're making history. We're on all over social media. We're on our Facebook page. We're on Twitter and on our YouTube page. Uh, we're moving on up to the... You know, we're, we're not going to the east side. We're going to the central side because this was a blowout. This was a win. Uh, take it, run. You know, you take advantage of what the team gives you and, you know, feel good. Celebrate. No doubt. We're going to get into that game. We're going to be joined by a special guest in about 15 minutes. Also, you reminder, you could send us your questions and comments uh, all over wherever you're watching our show, whether it be on Twitter or on Facebook and especially in our chat room here on our YouTube. So, We'll see how that goes. <clears throat> and, of course, make sure you follow BlackAndGoldBanneret.com for all the latest news and articles and much more. All right, Drew, let's get into this. This was uh, this was, this was a boxing fight. This would have been over pretty quickly. This would have been a TKO. UCF dominated from the first, really, the, oh, the whole game. Uh, give me your thoughts here. I mean, watching this as the game develops, it's a great, good win. But UCF was a double-digit favorite, so we shouldn't be totally surprised. But still a good win. Maybe the best overall performance at least in the mikey Keene era for ucf well not only that but if you actually go back into the annals of ucf history the last time ucf won by 42 points was at temple in 2019 so I, it must be something about playing in temple that thing that you know interesting things happen now there didn't have to be any you know miraculous catches made uh that defied you know the laws of nature but uh, <laughs> the, things happen when UCF goes to Philadelphia. And, and this was one of those games. Temple, their defense as far as injuries was worse than UCF's offense. Uh, their top two tacklers out, another starting corner is out. I mean, their defensive secondary was absolutely in shambles. But, you know, Coach Speak always says, you take what the defense gives you. They stack the box, they expect UCF to run, and UCF went over them. You know, Mikey Keene had his best game by far as as a, a college quarterback, setting a personal high in yards. His previous high was 194 yards against Temple. In fact, it was, you know, he only had, or, or against Navy, the only game which was against Navy, it was where he threw more than one passing touchdown. He threw two. So he had five coming in, and he literally doubled his career passing touchdowns in one game. And, when things go well, things go really well. I case in point, he made a terrible interception. I, I just the throw was nowhere remotely close to the receiver. There was no you know coordination between the two, and it got picked off. What happens? Temple fumbles it. UCF recovers it. Scores points. I, it was just that kind of day for the Knights. And at the very end, you know, you're throwing that complete game shutout, and you just give that solo shot away in the ninth. Uh, where that last touchdown came in, but I, this was about as perfect of a game as as UCF could have had, you know, all circumstances, you know, the way they are. Mikey King, 15 of 21, 229 yards, five touchdowns, the one interception, as you alluded to. Isaiah Bowser, 19 carries, 89 yards and a touchdown. Johnny Richardson, eight carries, 42 yards and a touchdown. Ryan O'Keefe, Drew, I want to ask you about Ryan O'Keefe, who – has become the playmaker on the outside wide receiver. Six catches, 72 yards, two touchdowns. This coaching staff, and we mentioned this last week, we had Trey Neal on while you were in the press box last week in the Memphis game. They're making a, an asserted effort. What I think I like about this staff is they're trying to make an effort to get the ball into their playmakers' hands. Bowser and O'Keefe have two of those, maybe the two main guys right now with the guys being injured with guys like Robinson out. And O'Keefe has delivered here, six for 72, two touchdowns. Holler had a big game, four for 87 and two touchdowns. But just talk about this staff making sure that their playmakers get the ball. Well, you know, Ryan O'Keefe had a rough first half. He had a gimme touchdown that was just flat out dropped. Uh, that's that little DR on the far right of his stat line. Uh, he did have some drop passes early on. They did pull him out, you know, give him a chance to kind of hit the reset button. And he played great in the second half. Sometimes, you know, momentum's, you know, momentum's a funny thing that energy is contagious. And if, if you just got 
the wrong momentum kind of dogging you, sometimes being pulled, letting yourself kind of smooth out, hit that reset button is what you need to come back and have yourself a game. Uh, that's what Ryan O'Keefe did, and and it worked out. You know, it doesn't always work out, but it, it did for him. You know, he he led the way. You know, they didn't have to rely on the running game nearly as much. Uh, Isaiah Bowser did not have to run the ball 33 times. Uh, they were able to move it around. We did see some Mark Anthony Richards in there. Uh, we did see a little bit of Johnny Richardson late. Uh, but I, when you stack the box like that, you know, a good coach is going to adapt. And they they threw the ball more. And and Temple paid a price for it. You know, that, that Alec Hollard touchdown, that big 33-yarder, uh, he blew the coverage. The, the safety abandoned the tight end he was wide open there was no one within you know three zip codes of him and he was able to just waltz right in uh, you know take what the defense gives you that was a good good vision by keen we're seeing the development coming along it's still a work in progress but we're seeing progress you know he still has a tendency to throw into multiple coverage uh, on deep passes and that one interception was just just a really really bad throw his release tends to be a bit slow and sometimes he stares down receivers and has late throws towards them but you know what it's all part of the process it takes time and, and we're seeing it's incremental we're seeing little bits and pieces so it takes patience you know he was not supposed to play this year we're never supposed to see this you know part of the developmental plan you know, kind of got thrown to the wolves but we're seeing progress and we need to appreciate that you know ucf's now five and three they're one game off you know, being bowl eligible, which they can do next week against a, a, a two-lane team that, you know, held on against Oklahoma, but then wet the bet a few weeks later. So, I mean, uh, you never know what they're going to do, but, you know, you're playing at push, home. Gave Cincinnati, you know, push played hard against Cincinnati today. Yeah, well, Cincinnati's the last two weeks has just not looked very, very strong, no. and, and I think they're going to be hitting the polls this time around. First time, okay, it's a coincidence. Navy sometimes a weird team, but sorry, you, you, you know, you you laid an egg for as long as you did against Tulane, and sure you pulled away late, but too little, too late. Well, that yeah, game should I, not yeah. have been as close yeah. as it was. Yeah, uh, for I as agree. long as it was into the Agreed. second half. I I agree. We're going to get into that a little bit at the end of the show here, Drew, because I think you're right. I think they're going to be people are going to get all mad and oh, the system's not fair. But I mean, they're going to they're going to deserve the drop. Uh, no, they, this one's but, on Cincinnati. If they, if they're yeah, mad. They have yeah, anyone. Yeah. They have no one but themselves to blame. Yeah. And they knew it, too. They've said it. But I want to talk about this defense. Uh, and by the way, we see Roger Greenberg chiming in back-to-back dubs in a row. Good vibes there. Uh, this defense, we had Trey Neal on last week. He talked about he saw he's starting to see the players understand the system. L- fewer assignments missed on a weekly basis. Your thoughts on this defense that uh, – you know, took care of business. Seven points, obviously, you know, this close to a shutout against Temple. But still, uh, dominant against, granted, an inferior offense, but they were they were the better, still played very well. Uh, well, yeah, uh, this, you know, this was not a good defense even before the injuries. Uh, this was just a bad team. And I remember Temple, one of their players in, a, in one of their um, press conferences said, yeah, UCF's like U- USF, but better. Uh, and, and South Florida absolutely stomped him. So it was not a surprise that this game just got ugly quick. Uh, once UCF hit that first score, they just <laughs> never turned around. But again, you take what's what's given to you. And you know UCF's defense uh, was relentless. Did not did not really give them an inch. And, and they really you know Temple could not set any real momentum. You have two different quarterbacks. So I'll, you know. Each, you know, each are very different, much like the two uh, quarterbacks UCF has. You know, one's a passer, one's a runner, and 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 you see that. But because they were playing from behind for as long as as they were, it was not a surprise that Mathis, the passing quarterback, was in the game a lot longer than Lynch, the running quarterback. Uh, you know, I, we saw Lynch a little, a couple plays in the beginning of the game. You know, second or third possession. And then he wasn't there until the end when they pulled all the starters. But that's normal for a game that, you know, the the rug gets pulled out underneath you early on and you're trying to catch up. Uh, you know, on, on the flip side, Temple's defense is bad. UCF could do whatever they wanted. And, 
know, they were dared to throw the ball and they threw it and, and had fun. It looked like they just had a flat out good time. And when you're happy, good things happen. And, and that's what happened. Mike Doty has a question for you, Drew here. Why did it take till game eight for Gus to break out the tight end, uh, the tight end uh, sneak? Is that what he said there? Obviously the tight end had a productive day today. They haven't been much used in the offense. I guess it's probably what he's referring to there. Well, I again, you take what the defense is, is giving you. And, you know, Holler, this is his first real collegiate action this year. I mean, he had some, he's played special teams last year, which, you know, that I don't really count that for what we're applying to now in the offense. But we're, we're seeing more and more of him because, one, he can catch the ball. He's working on his blocking technique because Jake Hescock is more of a blocking tight end than a receiving tight end. And when you're, when that coverage is blowing as you know as badly as how Temple was doing it, you're gonna hit your tight end. I mean, he was open countless times, and and they took advantage of it. And I got to give Alec Holler a lot of credit. That guy's got some amazing footwork. You know, he stayed in bounds on multiple occasions near the sideline that he easily could have gone out of bounds for being a big guy, but his agility helped him stay in bounds and score points. And I think that's underrated. And, and I hope they utilize him more. Because big guys are, are tough to defend. You know, you may be a little bit quicker than a linebacker, but a defensive back's not going to have the height to, to go up against you. So uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see how, how this new wrinkle go, builds into the offense going forward because, hey, we, we got a guy, and he's pretty good. I agree. I agree. By the way, if you get uh, what was your thoughts on the telecast? Because you know that was a hot topic we both got got ourselves in during the social media about ESPN Plus. Did well, you see it? What do you think? I mean, it needs work. Uh, what people don't real some people don't realize is the uh, the the production is done by the home team. So you know the camera work and that stuff. They're the ones who decide who calls the games. Uh, and, you know they contract. Uh, you know, it's a kind of an agreement between the schools and ESPN and all of them. So, uh, you know, it's it, it really falls a lot on them. And, you know, I kind of view ESPN Plus as kind of like the minor leagues of television broadcasting. It gives students, you know, recent grads, people who are just kind of working their way up, uh, experience, hands-on work to to learn and grow and hone their craft. You know, look at uh, Ligier Ducible, who's, you know, still a relative newcomer to the, the realm of, you know, football commentary and, you know, he still has work, you know, he spoke really fast. And one of the things that is you have to learn is how to slow your words down. I still have sometimes I I have trouble with it. Others have trouble with it. We talk faster than we think we talk. So you have to force yourself and make yourself think you're talking really slow. But the truth is you're not really talking slow. And that takes time. It takes practice. It takes uh, a lot of effort. It's not easy. And, and that gives guys like Doosable, you know, newer newer players to the game, uh, an opportunity to to kind of hone that craft. Because you know, you can practice. You know, much like a, a, any game situation, you can practice. But when it's game time, a lot of different things show up, be it name pronunciation, speed of talking, the ums and uhs. You know, it could be anything that causes, you know, some sort of hiccup. And, hey, the best guys weren't the best guys overnight. They had to learn, practice, and make mistakes. And ESPN Plus is really the best place to do it. So I take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. You know, it could be worse. The game could be not televised at all, which I, I had this ridiculously long Twitter conversation that you were a part of with, with a fan who actually thought it would be better if the game wasn't on TV than on ESPN. Yeah, that's like very nice. Like, like the only people that should say that are people that want people to go to the games in person. Like, I could understand, you know, ticket people saying that, not fans in general. But it's funny enough, Drew, we have a TV critic that's joining us, a man who's a UCF guy, a host of a popular podcast, folks. Let's bring him in. He is the host, co-host of the Sons of UCF podcast, which you can listen to all your favorite devices on podcast, co-host on the Sons of UCF live show, the most watched Thursday night TV primetime show since Seinfeld, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> alongside <laughs> alongside Trace Trauco and, of course, UCF. Mike, I join, ladies and gentlemen, Adam Eaton, 
making his debut here on the night shift show. Welcome. Historic show. It's the mid-afternoon shift. It is. Yeah, I got to used to this because I'm trying to watch games. I'm trying to talk about stuff. I think the most exciting thing about that was being called a TV critic. I've never heard that before. Thanks, Elo. Well, you and I have been brought up. Uh, we've been guests know. on Jeff Allen's podcast to break down television. And I will ask about ESPN Plus in a little bit. But I want to your thoughts on what we watched today here. A very complete effort for UCF dominating Temple and really a, a, a stressless uh, day for a change. Yeah, it was a good get right game. I think, you know, you, you kind of need one of these throughout the season. Uh, guys get a chance to get some uh, some reps in. You get some confidence in. It's a good get right game. You know, nobody got injured as far as we know. I know Matt Lee went out and we saw JJB go out a little bit. Hopefully we, we go unscathed there. But just a good game to get everyone some reps, get break a sweat. Obviously, you wondered if Temple was going to bring it after what happened to, to the Cows last week. Early on, you could tell they weren't. So, uh, complete performance. I like that everyone got a chance to sort of get the you know get the second half of the season off to another good start here. So, overall, you not much to nitpick. I'm going to have to find something to nitpick on the show this week, but not much to nitpick about what didn't go right today. Oh, no, there, there, there's things. There, there's definitely things I, I can give you if you want. <laughs> I'll, I got a pen. I'll take some notes, whatever whatever you got. Well, Drew, Drew, this is your chance here. You, the, ter- the tables are turned. Normally, Hit Adam me. is asking you questions. Now we get to now you get to ask him. Well, yeah, uh, you know, you, you, as, a, as, a, as a casual fan, and, and we we're just alluding to this, do you find value of having the game available on ESPN Plus where there's issues with production, the audio may not be great, the video may be not great. Would you prefer that over nothing? Because <laughs> apparently that's a big conversation last night. Uh, no, I don't think there's enough white claws that would allow me to think that it would be better to not have the game on at all than have a uh, less than stellar production. You have a mute button if you need it. Uh, the camera's not in the right spot, but I'm similar to you guys in, in age and that. I remember games where we, we didn't have them on TV. We were just kind of waiting to hear what happened. You were trying to find any place that, that had something on TV back in the, the late 90s, early 2000s. So the fact that I can literally watch every UCF game uh, even though it's not maybe the, the top quality pr- production, I'll take that any day of the week and twice on Sundays. Yeah, amen to that. Now, Eric, real quick, I did do a little bit of searching, and I did find that UCF did have a 49 nothing win over Tulane back in 2009. So it would have the record. Brent Harvey, baby. Yeah, Brent Hodges. have set the record. So it was a home game against Tulane in 2009. It was 49 nothing. That's pretty good. All right, Adam, your thoughts on um, Mikey Keene? Obviously, uh, a lot of focus on him. Your thoughts on him? Do you like the progression he's making? You still kind of have some – you're holding out some thoughts? What's your thoughts on Mikey after today's game? Look, he played well. I mean, you can't you can't deny the stats. What fifteen to twenty one, five touchdowns. If I'm reading this right, he's there's five drops that were credited to receivers. So essentially, that means Mikey threw two incompletions. So uh, you can't argue with that that stat line. I think Gus obviously protected him uh, throughout the last couple of weeks. Elo's got a little uh, tragedy going on there. Hopefully, you're okay, Elo. Um, I think uh, Gus protected him in terms of play calls, but he opened it up this week and and. And look, there are some times where Mikey seems to be like, oh, double coverage. Let me throw there. I don't know what that's about. Hopefully <clears throat> that's just a young guy doing young guy things. But, he, you know, he made some good reads. I like the I like the the fourth down. Gus put him in a high low read that he could have gone to a key or he could have gone to Nate Craig Myers. He took the first down to Nate Craig Myers. So I think Gus is giving him opportunities to make decisions. I think that's where he's going to make strides. It seemed like today outside of a couple of throws and a double coverage. He was at least trying to make some better decisions. I think Gus was giving him easier reads. Um, so you saw the progression there. I, I'm not ready to anoint him the next McKenzie Milton. I know that's the, that's the hot thing people want to do is go, well, he has more touchdowns than McKenzie had as a freshman. I'm not really ready to go that rate yet, but you definitely saw him progress. Makes you wonder what changed against Temple. Was it just simply Temple's personnel and Gus saw some mismatches that he wanted to take advantage of? Did Mikey really show something in practice? Because we haven't seen this level of production out of Mikey, but y- you can't be mad at it, um, except for I just – I, when he sees two jerseys as of, of the other color near a receiver, feel free to throw someplace else. I'm okay with that. It's, it's okay if you want to do that, Mikey. I'm perfectly fine with that. Yeah, I, I've noticed that over the weeks, too, and that apparently that's still something he's kind of working out. So what, what you mentioned it a little bit, you know, kind of in, in what you were saying about, you know, with play calling. You know, one of the, the recent uh, critiques on Coach Melzahn was the play calling. Oh, oh, he's only calling short runs or short passes, uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, today, we saw a very different UCF offense than we had in previous years. Uh, Isaiah Bowser, only 19 carries. 
uh, no one really had to carry the team, uh, you know, this time around. Uh, how do you feel that that Melzahn adapted to the de- what the defense gave him as far as uh, moving forward? Well, I mean, I, I assume he saw something in the defensive scheme that allowed him to break Alec Holler out of witness protection because the the tight end uh, acclimation today was, I, I think, an added bonus. Uh, I also did not know Alec Holler was Tyreek Hill um, himself <laughs> on the sideline there. But uh, so my assumption is that Gus is looking at this game to game and trying to figure out where is my schematic advantage, where can I take you know where can I take some liberties from an offensive standpoint versus his defense. We saw obviously Temple secondary got a little banged up. We saw some of their I think their top. Two Two tacklers are both out for the game. Now, I don't know that Gus knew that going into the game, but it definitely seems like week to week he's trying to find a bit of an edge. And, you know, it, I guess if you want to play the cards of saying everyone thinks we're going to run because the cows just ran for 6,000 yards on, on them this week. So let me do what they think we're going to do opposite and, and throw the ball. Sometimes I think Gus is, and this is one of, my, one of my frustrations, feels like instead of calling plays, he's always trying to outsmart somebody, right? Instead of just going with what's working, Going with something simple, he's like, aha, I, I got one. And he's always trying to come out with a with a secret trick play. It felt a little bit like that today, but in today's world it worked. But I'm just glad that he dusted off a tight end or two uh, and got them into the pattern. Because I think I think that's what Mikey's been missing. Somebody that he can he can look to make an easy read, an easy throw and catch, not have to wait on a corner to break, not have to wait on a receiver to get separation. Somebody who's playing against the linebacker more times than not. I think the tight end part it would be would have been huge for a young quarterback. So to see that dusted off today, whether that was Gus just going, hey, wait a minute, what are these other big guys over here? What do they do? Or whether that was him looking at Temple Tape and saying, hey, this is an opportunity. Either way, I think I'll give I'll give Gus a tip of the hat here for being willing to, to do something different because, again, the witness protection program uh, has been lessened by at least one with Alec Holler being released. Well, and, and you got you and Mike talked about it on your podcast. I think before the season, you kind of thought there'd be tight end would be involved. Maybe what was it over under twenty five receptions? I think you brought that up on the on the Thursday night show. Uh, but in fairness, Dylan got hurt, so I feel like mm-hmm. there's an asterisk there on that prop bet. Like I feel like that should be thrown out because we don't know what the tight end offense would have looked like if Dylan was staying healthy. Like you would think they probably made it. Maybe it would have been more involved if Dylan was healthy. You didn't have to bring in a, a freshman who clearly was not planning on playing this year, I think that affected everything offensively, right? I think everything's got an asterisk this year. Well, I think Gus strikes me as a doghouse coach where, you know, I think we saw we saw Jake Hescock with a, a brutal drop, I think, against Louisville. We saw Alec Holler with a couple of tough drops against Navy. And it seems like Gus is a, a, a Gus is a doghouse coach. You make a mistake, you don't see that guy in the field next week. It seems like that's kind of his mentality. And I think I think for a while there, I think he maybe lost a little bit of confidence in the tight ends because Hescock just wasn't, you know, the receiving threat that I think he'd hoped. Holler had played well against Boise, but then obviously had a couple of tough ones. So he, Gus strikes me as the ultimate doghouse coach. You know, you fumble on the field, you don't play next game. You know, you miss a block, you don't play next game. His his running back rotations just leave me absolutely confounded. His receiving rotations, I, one day Titus is in, one day he's not. Nate Craig Myers is in, then he's not. I, his receiver rotations leave me confounded. My assumption is that he's one of those guys where that's how he's going to discipline his team. You make mistakes in the field, you don't come back in. If you need any more proof of that, see Omari Johnson of the Willie Mays Hay style over the shoulder punt return that hasn't been returned since. I, I feel like he's just a doghouse coach. If you make a mistake, you know, you're, you're in his doghouse. But Holler somehow broke free. He broke the chains and he's out. And, and again, I think at least for Mikey, everybody, every young quarterback, you guys know this, needs that security blanket. Third and five, someone's running in my face. Where's somebody going to be at? You need that security blanket. If Alec Holler can be that, then, then I'm all in on it. Um, I'd like to see Charlie Browder get a chance to. I saw he got one. He got one ball thrown again uh, to him against Memphis. But um, I think the tight ends coming in would be a welcome addition to the offense. You know, you mentioned Willie Mays Hayes, and all I can think of is, nice cash, don't have nice a place to do it again. <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> correct. Good old Lou Brown. Well, you know, being from Cleveland, Major League is obviously one of my favorite movies. But yeah, I digress. So you talk about running back rotations. You talk about receiver rotations. Let's talk quarterback rotations where – in my opinion, there shouldn't be one. Hmm. Uh, you know, you look at this game compared to the prior ones, and this one probably had the least amount of rotation at quarterback until, you know, later on, you know, maybe a little bit here and there, and then King got pulled at the end of the third quarter when the game was over. Do you think that his output today, where he showed uh, decisive decision-making, taking advantage of defensive missteps, 
and and being able to to thread the needle on a couple occasions that touchdown pass to Brandon Johnson was absolutely gorgeous, just absolutely gorgeous. Would I have thrown it into traffic? Not necessarily, but if you do it, make sure it works. Uh, do you think that may play a little bit more in having Keen take a larger role in the offense as opposed to this really randomized you know switcheroo that they keep doing? A quick update, Michigan State beats Michigan 37-33 for those who are not not watching that. Um, I am not a fan of the um, switching quarterbacks in the middle of a drive. Uh, I feel like every game we have at least one or two of those where we try it and things break down. we got to call timeouts. Guys don't know where they're going to be at, and we end up wasting time calling timeouts. Uh, It happened uh, at least once this game. I know it happened at least once last game. I am not a fan of that. If you want to give Gatewood an entire drive and say this is your drive – I don't love that either, to be honest with you, Andrew. But if that's what Gus wants to do, then then fine. Give him an entire drive. Let him put something together and then see where we're at. The switching in between, I just don't understand what that looks like. And, and I think Mike Doty had it on the screen earlier, Eli, that you flashed up there. It's super predictable. When Gatewood's in, you know what we're going to run. And I know everybody says that, hey, well, Joey Gatewood is, you know, he's a running quarterback. Can any anybody name me the signature go Joey Gatewood run this year? It isn't like he's Cam Newton, like ripping off 30, 40 yard runs where we go, wow, look at that dynamic. He's three, four, five, six yard runs and he gets tackled out of bounds and we move on to the next one. So I understand he brings a dynamic, but I think if you want to put a package of plays in there, give him an entire series. Switching in and out does not make any sense. I don't know why that, why to Gus, that he's not recognizing defenses are going, okay, they're going to run this one. Gatewood is as absolutely zero threat to throw the football. I think Elo is a better threat to throw the football <laughs> than Joey Gatewood is when he's in the field. So if you want to give him a series, fine. If he adds a, a dynamic, I, I don't want to be conspiracy theory, but that's what we do best here in the Suns of UCF. My conspiracy theory is, hey, you know what? Gatewood, come to play UCF. We're going to get you in the game. I feel like there's, you know, he, he got Joey to come to UCF. And there was a, maybe a promise of some playing time there. And so he's trying to find ways to to make that happen. Um, but if, if Mikey is playing well, I don't know why we roll the dice and bring in Gatewood. Yeah. So when does Mikey, uh, so when does Joey Gatewood get moved to tight end? Because I think that's I, his future. Yeah. I, I, three games ago is what I would have thought. Um, that's, I'm, I'm confounded by the quarterback stuff too, because Quadri is now a receiver. Parker Navarro was on, was on kickoff coverage two weeks ago against Cincinnati. So Gus is really rolling the dice with his quarterback room because God forbid, knock on wood, something happens to Mikey Keene. Then we're stuck with, you know, Joey Gatewood, who was not a throwing threat. Parker, hopefully he's not going to get a shoulder popped out on, on, on coverage. Andrew Brito took the, the kneel down, uh, this week. So is he, is he the de facto third quarterback? I, Gus is, is, I don't want to call it arrogance, but his decision-making with the quarterback room is absolutely interesting to me. And maybe he knows something we don't know about Dylan Gabriel's timeline. So he feels comfortable doing that. And maybe that's where he's the head coach and the three of us aren't, but his, his quarterback rotations and everything he's doing there just absolutely every week has me just scratching my head. Andrew Brito to me is the designated survivor quarterback. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. That you have in the different room watching the film because if anything happens and there's COVID, whatever, he's the guy you want at that point because yes. you got to have someone. Yeah, he's he he's Hayden K- survivor. He's Hayden Kingston with longer hair. <laughs> well, let, 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 a little more FBS experience too. Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps. Wow. perhaps. But that, let me ask you though, Dylan Gabriel, because I, I think that is an interesting question. I mean, there's been I don't know some teases, if you will, whatever. I don't know how you want to describe it, but there's been some hits. I mean, Gus has said on the radio shows that he's hoping. They hope to have Dylan back. You've seen photos of him in pads. I mean, that SMU game, and, you know, Drew brought this up on our podcast this week. You know, from a team standpoint, if they win out, they have a shot still to make the conference championship game with some help. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a oh, win with SMU. But it's there. Yeah. Right. A win over SMU has to happen for that to yeah. happen. Yeah. And Dylan gives you the best chance. So is this partly, you know, do you think we'll see Dylan Gabriel back? Probably by the SMU game, I think, if it's going to happen. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, yeah, there's hints out there. I think Dylan even threw a hint out this week, which was interesting because he, he, he showed some practice footage on his IG, but it was clearly old because RJ Harvey was in the backfield. So why, why tweet that out or why post that? I don't know. Gus is obviously hinting about it. In my mind, I'd love to see Dylan play a little bit against Tulane. 
not a whole game. If he can get in and get a little bit of the rust knocked off him against Tulane, which I, I know I know they give Cincinnati all they can handle today, it has not necessarily been a, a top-tier team. If he can get the rust knocked off a little bit against Tulane, get a couple series, I think that helps you going into to SMU, who you think is going to be a good team. But if you if he can't come back by SMU, then just sit the rest of the year. I mean, don't don't come out there for UConn. I think we can beat UConn and Green UConn without without Dylan. So if if he can't come back for SMU, sit the rest of the year. But I'd, if he can play, if he's healthy, I'd love to see him get a couple of series against Tulane just to kind of get the rust knocked off and then see what, what Gus can put up at, um, against SMU. Because here's the thing. If I'm SMU, I've only got two games of tape on a Gus Malzahn, Dylan Gabriel-style team, right? One was against Boise State, which probably is applicable. The other against Bethune, I don't know what you take out of that, right? Because it's obviously a blowout game, so what do they really run? So if you want to have a schematic advantage, Sonny Dykes and those, and those guys at SMU are going to look at that and go, what, what, is, what is Gus going to do with this guy? That gives us a bit of a schematic advantage. So I'd love to see him get some rust knocked off. If he, if he can't, that's fine. If he can get back for SMU, I'm all in favor of that. I think that's interesting. I, you, so you wouldn't bring him back. Let's say, let's say he doesn't come back for SMU. But you wouldn't bring him back, let's say, if he was available for the Cows game? I wouldn't. No, I mean, at that point, you, I, again, you feel I think comfortable we, you can win without him in that game. Yeah, I think we can win without him at that point. And, and, and I guess it depends on what his lean is in terms of what next season looks like, right? Elephant in the room, obviously, he has the ability to go pro if he thinks that's an option for him. Um, obviously, he has the ability to transfer. Hopefully, that doesn't happen. So it depends on what he thinks his future is at UCF. If, he, if he's thinking that he's coming back, then, then don't, don't waste him on a, on a green UConn game and another injury, and then he's out for a bowl game or whatnot. I say sit him at that point if he's not ready to come back by, by the Cal game. Yeah, he, I also, he has, I also, he has to be 100%. You know, yeah, if, if, 100%. You're not, if you're not 100%, there, it's not worth the risk. You know? No. I, I, I agree. I totally agree with that. I but, agree with uh, that. And I agree. Let me ask you both this. You mentioned the quarterback room. It's kind of a little goofy. Quadri now is a wide receiver, and they're moving up everybody. Gus kind of inherited this quarterback room. Could it be that he's basically kind of telling you that, yeah, I, we're going to go, yeah, we could do better at quarterback here down the road here? Well, I think he's telling you that across the board. I think there are plenty of yeah. guys who played a lot under the hypo system, both offense and defense, that just aren't playing right now. And you're like, wait, why Why isn't Derek Gaines out there? Derek Gaines was a guy that we saw play a ton last year. You know, he, he's not cracking the field very much. You know, so I think you're seeing that across the board, guys that you thought were going to play a bunch that aren't getting playing time. And and I think it's interesting. You're, you're right. Um, you know, uh, clearly – you know, we, we know that he's bringing in Thomas Castellanos. We know he's going hard after quarterbacks. I got to imagine he's saying to himself, this is not the quarterback room that I want. This is not the quarterback room that outside of maybe Dylan Gabriel that I think can 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 do certain things for me. I think in a perfect world, I, I don't even know if Mikey Keene matches the Gus style system that we've seen in the past. I think he's he's kind of making it make do. And that's not a knock on, on Mikey Keene as much as it's just I think Gus is looking for certain quarterbacks. And and I think that's his way of saying there's there's some guys and skill position players that we think we can we can leverage but outside of ryan o'keefe i mean he's not really using anybody from the hypo system in a really prominent role right i think other other guys brandon johnson just got here so he's not really a hypo guy per se right uh, so we're not seeing a ton of those holdovers now granted there weren't a bunch of those guys to, to lay around still right but I, I think he's clearly saying that he, he he wants a different kind of skill position player than than what uh, what hypo had Gerardi, how do you respond to that well your your best players are transfers you know, Isaiah Bowser is, is, is a transfer. You know, you look on the defense side, Big Cat Bryant, uh, Bryson Armstrong, you know, they're, they're transfers. Uh, and, and those guys are making Im immediate impact, you know, in a, in a material way. So it, that's usually a sign of the guys we have just really aren't good enough uh, for what we want. And, and I think it's going to be a couple of years. That's why you always say give coaches three years. You know, everyone wanted immediate dividends, immediate results. And that, and that's, while you make the best of what you, you've got, that's not really a fair assessment. You're, you've got to give chance for a coach to put his scheme in place, to put his players in place, and let things kind of gel. We're seeing the defense do that in real time, where they really struggled early on. And now this last few weeks, we're seeing the defense has bought into the system. They're making plays. The open field tackling has, it just continues to get better. The defensive backs are in better position to make plays. The defensive line is, is making is putting on pressure and making and, and getting sacks where early on everything just seemed off. You know, 2020, everything was off. And you know, a lot of that has to do not only with personnel, but it, it takes time to adjust. You know, you know, T Will wasn't gonna come in and, and make magic happen overnight. That wasn't a fair 
a, a fair thing to assume. That that's not how reality works. If you you only work with what you got, and it takes time to unlearn and relearn. And I think we're seeing end results, and, and we're seeing things have to adjust on the fly. You know, Eric Gillier leads the program. Okay, we we don't see as much four three going on. We start seeing more nickel defense because there's shortages. You know, Anthony Montavo has been playing defensive end. We've had shortages on the defensive end side. You work with what you got. And, and I can see the coaching staff really hammering that in the offseason to continue to put the pieces they want in the play. Uh, we're just happening to notice it more in the quarterback room with all these quarterbacks changing positions and just and just weird decisions on, on bringing in Gatewood and moving Jones out. And uh, I, I think Adam kind of kind of hit the head, uh, hit it on the head where, you know, you're sending a very loud message of this is this is not who we want. We're going to look for a guy. And uh, Castellanos is, is the guy they're really, really high on and pushing really hard on. Well, you, you mentioned defense. I, I think if, if you're asking me, I think the defense really turned when T. Will got away from using Bryson Armstrong in that night position, whatever that other secret, super top secret position he had. Whenever we went away from Bryson Armstrong in the night position and Justin Hodges seems to have really taken over that role, that's when I think you saw the defense turn. Bryson's now playing more in his traditional role, and maybe that times out with Eric Gilliard leaving, but I think that's when you saw the defense really turn over. I think initially they were, they got a little bit too cute with some of their lineups, and, and, and Bryson Armstrong, I'll do respect to him, I don't know that he's best suited in sort of a, a nickel backstage style role I think he's better suited in the linebacker spot I think it really changed from that you mentioned Eric Gilliard today it was funny I saw um I think it's William Wells uh, backup defensive back was wearing number 10 on the field and for a second I saw number 10 on defense and I was like wait what and then I realized it wasn't Eric Gilliard have have either and this is not uh, this sounds like a cheap shot against Eric Gilliard I, I feel like the defense has actually kind of improved since that since his departure and I'm not saying he was the reason for it by the way but perhaps guys are playing more in position perhaps we're getting the, the 11 best on the field but I think that coincides with Gilliard kind of stepping out and then Bryson Armstrong getting into a more natural position for him and getting away from that night position letting that be somebody like a Justin Hodges like a Corey Thornton uh, like a Quadric Bullard whatever the, the, the matchup might be at that point. I, I think you're you're absolutely right. I, I think it, it was less to do with him, more so that what his departure did for the situation and, and how they rolled with it. Uh, you're right. Uh, Arm, Armstrong is a natural linebacker. That that's what he does. And and I think they've gotten even further away from the night position in general. Uh, Hodge is playing more back than front just because of his size, and it's working. You know, it's working. Technically, you know, Big Cat Bryant is is a flex player too, but they're not really using him as a flex. You know, he just moves around a lot on the defensive line, but he's still, you know, used almost exclusively at the end, and it's working. Uh, you know, sometimes it just takes time, and it's all about getting the right people in the right place. And, and Justin Hodges, man, last two weeks, what what a breakout he's had. You know, you calling him out perfect because he's just been absolutely on fire. Same, same with Devontae Brown. I mean, he's, he's been a shutdown corner. I mean, he's he's defended every ball thrown in his direction. Uh, he got beat over the over a crossing route in the middle today and a, a short route, but nothing that really killed UCF. He's been really stout. Actually, it was funny because he had, a, you know, obviously a big game against Memphis. And I went back and I was like, why do I not remember a Devontae Brown play? So I went back and checked. I mean, he's been playing pretty much every snap. And his name is, is very rarely called, which either means one or two things. One, they're not thrown his direction. Or two, he's obviously not giving up a play. So I think that's a, that, that's a big thing. But I'm curious from both of you guys, Elo and, and, and Drew, what do you guys, where are you guys at with Big Cat? Because he came in with a bunch of hype. He was the Big Cat. A couple of games in, obviously he was kind of moving around a little bit. I don't think we saw much out of him. The last couple of games, he's been he's been pretty good. He's been prone to make kind of that that mental mistake on the offsides, jumping off here and there. He's missed a couple tackles. Where are you guys at on on Big Cat and what he's brought to the defense? Go ahead first. Wow, but Drew's let me go first. I think it's it's been interesting, right? I feel like he's overly aggressive. I feel like he, sometimes he's got, like, too much energy sometimes, and that's why he's jumping off sides, I feel like. Um, and you're right. It's it's not as, as smooth as you would have disciplined, but when, when he's locked it, when he's kind of clicking on all cylinders, he makes a difference on that defensive side of the ball. And I wonder if some of this, too, is does he feel like he – like, sometimes does he feel he has to do too much? Like, I got to do more things because, you know, the other guys maybe aren't, especially early in the season, Drew, because, Drew, you and I talked about the defense. Teams were kind of attacking other, defense, you know, defensive players around him and running you know, the Louisville game, for example. They were mm -hmm. running away from him. And I feel like sometimes maybe he's trying to, like, do too much. I don't know. Drew, your thoughts? Well, I, I think 
part of it is I think we may have overblown expectations. Uh, but if you look at his stat line, this is the best year he's ever had. Now, granted, you got to kind of take uh, 2020 with a little bit of a grain of salt, only for the fact that he had less games, but he has career high in tackles he's, uh, in a season. Uh, with the one and a half sacks that he's had today, he's had a career high for sacks. He's had a career high for tackles for loss. I mean, he had, what, a, a tackle and a half. He's up to eight tackles for loss. The best he did was 2018 with four. Uh, he's, he's, he's breaking his own personal bests um, being a leader. I think uh, one of the things that we also failed to, to take into consideration is not so much the stat line, but the other stuff he does. He's a team captain. Uh, he, he shows a leadership you know, position that, you know, that is important. I, I remember uh, I was talking to Coach Melzahn after the East Carolina game, and I asked him, uh, what did you say to Mikey Keene before that final drive that they won the game on to, to get him kind of settled? And he goes, I didn't. Sam Jackson did. Sam Jackson, a team captain on the offensive side. You know, that's what these players do. Uh, and you don't see that in any stat line. But the impact that they have affects other players' stat lines. And, and I think he's had a material role in how this defense is, has gelled and has come together. I, I think that's something that we need to uh, not take for granted. Yeah, I think his presence on the field is is a factor, right? I think Louisville put the clinic on what side is Big Cat on. Let's go the other way, right? I think they they put the blueprint out there for that. Um, and, and you're right. I think obviously the expectations were Big Cat Bryant, an all-SEC player, right? Auburn guy, right? He's he's going to come in and just absolutely just dominate. Uh, and, and that's probably an unfair expectation. I think I think he started slow, but I definitely appreciate how he's coming on, how he's come on the last couple of games. And if he can kind of keep this thing up, I, I will say I do like, and I know it's coach speak, right? It's coach magic. You know, the second half of the season, our second season is here, right? That's what Gus is saying. Uh, <laughs> but I do like the energy they've come out with since he's made that declaration. Now, I've, I've joked around that said that Gus Malzahn is always going to win the uh, uh, the, the post-game locker room speech. That seems to be what he does best. But I do like the second half of the season mantra. And and since that, they, they mentioned it on the broadcast today um, that, that Big Cat recently got challenged, got called out by the coaches. So I don't know. I don't know what specifics that is, but he certainly has played much better in the last couple of ballgames than, than we saw maybe from a stat perspective in the, in the first handful of the year so far. Yeah, in the interviews, he's always very – collected and calm and and you know kind of toes the company line you know he doesn't he doesn't give you bad bites but he doesn't give you anything that's you know outside the box but you know you could tell there's a fire there and, and he handles himself well and, and i think maybe that's part of it you know when the defense struggled for the first half of the season and you know i think that was a great way of putting it by coach melzahn because you know, you're coming off a bad loss you, you want to put everything behind you you're three and three it's a you're halfway, and it really is at 500. It's a brand new season. You know, you, you're in control of your destiny still. So to to kind of challenge him and, and maybe the other captains to rally the troops. You know, don't just stand there, do something. We're seeing tangible results from something. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, well they, we have the R time, which you know a lot of that is is structured in the fact of you know there's a camera guy there. You know he's talking. Uh, there there's probably a lot of things that are said away from the camera that, that we'll never get to see or hear that. Wait, that hold on. Are you, Drew, are you, are you telling me that all reality TV isn't reality, Drew? I know nothing. What? <laughs> this is breaking. I don't know if you have sounders there. This is breaking news that all reality TV might not be reality. Listen, I we've learned a lot from that show. Among them, I had no idea that our good friend Jason Beatty sounded a lot like Trace. Yeah. It's a ventriloquist now. act. Ventriloquist act. I've seen it for it's you know, it's 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 they're they're good. They should go on tour together. I, I don't know. I don't, did you have you heard earlier in the year I did a great Andrew impression of evidently? I the, did. The, I did, yeah. Yeah. He uh he he's he does me better than I do me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never sounded smarter than that mm -hmm. segment uh, on the show, but we can. What are you gonna know? Uh, yeah, I just like that they both had matching khaki shorts on. I thought that was cute. <laughs> They're styling. I don't know if they coordinated in advance. I don't know. You know, I'm not sure what the protocol. And they had the same tripod, it appeared, which is a camera apparatus for everybody who's thinking elsewise. And then the same uh, the same khaki shorts. On. <laughs> 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 All right. Clarify. Try to clarify. Try to clarify. Um, let's, let's talk about uh, – I want to talk about uh, while we get you for a couple more minutes. You've been very generous with the time here. Uh, 
Sons of UCF podcast. Tell the audience about it that haven't had a chance to check it out. It's you and Mike. You've done it for a few years. You're on. It's on Tuesdays. It comes out on all the podcast devices, wherever you listen to. Just tell us about the podcast and how you and Mike, because I get asked this question when I've been on the show and when people just ask me randomly, how did you and Mike like come together? Yeah. So um, right, wrong, or, or bad. I've known Mike for 25 years. We went to high school together, went to UCF together. We were college roommates for uh, for all four years. And so typically what you hear from the podcast is, is just what Mike and I would have been talking about on the phone anyway. And for some reason, we decided to hit the record button one time, and then actually somebody listened to it, and then 150-plus shows later, here we are. So legit, the, the show is just two friends talking UCF because that's what we were doing anyway. Uh, and then slowly over time, we got a chance to add in some interviews, uh, have some really cool people come on and talk to us. And, and it's really it's really kind of been a dream for us, right, to, to be able to look at my phone and not to pull an Eric uh, Lopez name drop, but to look at my phone and have, you know, Brian Schneider and Mike Kruzak and George O'Leary's phone numbers in my phone is is absolutely just, just mind-boggling to me because I never thought that'd be something we'd be doing. So it's really just two friends talking UCF and trying to find ways to entertain people and make people laugh. And then one day, Trace Trelko just kept calling me, kept calling, kept texting, knocking on my door like, I want to be a part, I want to be a part. So fine, Trace, okay, whatever. So we uh, we found the uh, a live show edition that brought Trace in. And uh, he's been a really fun addition to, to the crew because obviously, as you guys know, he's, he's in Orlando. So he was able to get to the games. He's able to get a ton of sound. Uh, and he just brings a professionalism, perhaps, that, that Mike and I don't always bring to the show. So it's a lot of fun. It's really the genesis, just just two or three friends talking UCF. And you know, we're, we're not we're not pretending that we're going to be scoop makers. We're not pretending we're Stephen A. Smith. You know, we're just really talking sports. So it's been a lot of fun. The fact that, you know, people listen to us for a couple hours a week is, is just mind. boggling I can't get my family to listen to me for 10 minutes. And yet I get people to actually listen to me talk on, on, on a, a podcast for an hour is just mind boggling. But it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's, it's been cool to meet guys like you, too, and, and just all of a sudden be a part of the uh, the UCF you know, family from that standpoint, going to tailgates and people are like, you're the sons of UCF guy. And I'm like, yeah, okay. It just, it's just kind of surreal. So uh, it's been a lot of fun and uh, definitely appreciate all the people who've supported us along the way, even you guys. So when, when Trace was trying to get on your show, did he stand outside with the, with the boom box, you mm-hmm. know, you know, we know he's, yeah. he's, you know, a little old school. Yeah. You know, and that, I mean, is that how he got his, your, your attention? Did he start, you know, yeah. blasting He's old school. ballots on the, on the, on the boom box? Yeah. No, he actually sent a VHS tape of his uh, his highlight reel <laughs> to us and said, Look, "This is my this is my air check tape. If you guys want to listen," and we were like, "Air check? I don't even know what that means." Uh, but no, Trace has been uh, he was a big supporter of us uh, early on. He's somebody who I've always reached out to. And uh, look, Mike and I are not media professionals. We didn't study this at school, so he's been someone who's been a really good mentor for us. We reach out and say, "Hey, well, how do you think this will play? Hey, we have this idea. Hey, how should we approach this?" Uh, he's just been a really good mentor along the way. And then, you know, through circumstances, he became available and was interested in doing some stuff. And I think he had the itch to, to really kind of get back in UCF. So the fact that we could team up and uh, and and come together and find something that is kind of unique. I mean, we're to uh, to Elo's point, we're the only Thursday night uh, live show going right now. So and yeah, we'll the take, best UCF exactly. live show we'll, on Thursday nights. The we'll best, take the exclusivity. Not. But it's been a lot of fun to, to you know, interact with. I think the, fun, the one thing I, I don't like about an audio podcast is you can't interact with the audience you don't get feedback you know you it isn't until after the show's over that everyone's giving you you know a hard time of what you said or liked what you sure. you know what you said so the live stuff and kind of what you guys are doing today you, you know you get that immediate feedback it's kind of fun to be a part of that so having trace in there to navigate that and make mike and i look smarter always helps out well i, I mean i can I, I can second that you know trace has been uh, a mentor to me as well he's he's given me advice and pointers and i've asked him questions and you know last week he came to me he he gave a book he goes hey can i have your autograph so what do i do i signed it eric lopez nice <laughs> <laughs> right and he's up no and nice. trace brings up the question though right he get because he, he's had all the media scrums and he will bring up questions to you guys on the thursday night show which a lot of people could watch on these same platforms that you're watching this show uh, as well, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter, on the Sons of UCF. But he brings up topic questions, right, that you and Mike have to think about that maybe others don't think about because he's at the pressers and he's kind of covered this, the programs, all the programs. And I think that's kind of what makes this kind of, you guys, a very dynamic group, especially on the Thursday night. Now, I have to ask, because one of my favorite moments of the Thursday night show was when you had Drew on, oh. and he actually showcased his closet. Mm-hmm. Of all yeah. his jerseys, yeah. Be honest. No, I'm now, in be, that room be, right now. <laughs> be be honest, Adam. When when he did that, what was your first thought? Were you frightened? Were you concerned? What was your thoughts when you saw that? 
Well, we're uh, a little bit more of a liberal show, so I'm, I'm okay with uh, embracing the awkward here. But I did not know. It's live, so you don't know what you're going to get. So he's going in his closet. I'm like, this seems to be okay. Seems like a normal person. Uh, God forbid nothing is in the closet we don't need to see. Luckily, it was all jerseys. There's My a favorite part next to it. Does that count? <laughs> I don't know. It depends. My favorite part about that show, though, is he, and you you know this, Elo, because you obviously you have control of the, of the broadcast. He stayed in the green room yes, for the did. entire show. And then literally, I could see him. Like We'd be talking about a topic, and I can see his head nodding or him doing this. And I just kept bringing him back into the show, just unprompted. And so it he kind of became like, yeah, he became like the disembodied voice, like old around the horn guy like the the stat boy of pti that just kind of like popped into the into the chat and i was like let's let's bring him back in so uh to me that was that was one of our best shows uh i'd like to point out they've never had me back since (laughs) i I don't so the the great question uh complaint department is at sign pez on twitter he's the guest booker for the thursday nights um, and he's never and, had me back on set. So I can't, I can't confirm. Listen, we're all Nick Patty these days. God bless Nick Patty. He puts up with those week after week for some reason. Um, only known to Nick Patty. But that was actually one of the funner shows, Andrew, was having you in the chat and just. And actually, I think we tried to work it out for the next couple of weeks of you not being scheduled and just having you in the chat and just throwing you back in there from time to time. Uh, so Wimby will work that out one day just as a surprise. Well, well the, pro- the problem no. was we he, he used that as leverage and he negotiated where he's guaranteed uh-huh. now a segment on the podcast and he's on here on the postgame show. That's smart. No, that's smart. So he negotiated yeah, leverage. We, we've that. changed our recording time for the podcast so it's earlier in the day and it works out great now because I work from home. Look what he leveraged, it's, it's Adam. All, look at what he had leveraged out of that appearance. Unbelievable. Out of that one appearance, things happen. It's, it's all about being in the right place. At the right time. But Eric, in, in all honesty, it was actually easier to watch the rest of the show just sitting at my <laughs> desk without closing anything. That's actually yes. what started. I was like, you know, it's just easier just to sit here and let it go. But, you know, and I would kind of nod and agree. And, and they would bring me on. I'm like, okay, yeah. I can have fun with this. Let's do it. Well, <laughs> well, you guys you guys know the summer months are tough from a content standpoint. We may do a, a, a Voices of UCF, like MTV Crib style, right, where we bring Elo in to show off his garage. And, you know, here's Brandon Helwig's. You know, linen closet, just, just something to do. Get some content out there during the summer months. Oh crap! You can see this giant pile of unwanted computer and video game stuff over here. Holy crap! Oh, I, do like the, I do like yeah. the the paint scheme, though. I will say, I'll give you credit well, for the. Uh, the this paint was supposed there. to be the man cave, and and my wife and a friend uh, did the the paint job, and then now it, it became the office. But it's still it's still my home away from home. It's got you know a slider. I've got a mini fridge back here. Uh, in fact, the printer that's sitting right behind me, sitting on top of mini fridge, so it always keeps mm. beer nearby. You know, important mm. stuff. It, those are essentials. Those are essentials in the UCF podcast world. Oh yeah, I got to put the UCF diplomas back there because my wife said I have to look like I learned something. Mm. It's know? not as cool as that Culpepper jersey that Adam's got in the background there. Well, I mean. Uh, let's, let's not do Jersey talk, Elo, because we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to get the closet again. <laughs> no, we don't want enough that. people. Don't I don't know. It's your I, show. You do what I'll you want to do on this one. Guys, it's grown since that show. Oh, no, we There's don't need more to know. in there now. Uh, Save that for your next appearance on the yeah, show. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't want some like old stuff that I can just give away at this point. <laughs> I, mean, I want to get rid of some of it. Here, here's my, my better my... stuff. Here, here's my last question for Adam. We'll let him go because he wants to watch football. But I, I do want to brag because the three of us, are in the top 10 in college football pick them and the pick that Mike set up your co-host set up. And the only reason, mm-hmm. and I keep teasing this because he was doing a lot of trash talking before the mm-hmm. year. Like, Hey, nobody mm-hmm. beats me. Everybody, you know, guys fight for yeah. seconds. So he was throwing the gauntlet. So me mm-hmm. and Drew have responded the, yeah. and the three of us are doing very well. If you notice, I keep you out of the trash talking. And mm-hmm. I, and I feel like Mike's trying to blame trace. I feel there's some friction there. Cause they're both kind of, they're really way back in the picks. So I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah, Mike, uh, humility, not necessarily one of Mike's strengths uh, in terms of uh, character, but uh, he had a really good year last year. And and similar to the 5K that he he, he ran, that he beat everybody in, that he made sure to, to challenge Renaya Jones. And um, he, he, you know, I think he had a really good uh, head start. I think he felt like he was going to do well this year and just wasn't prepared. I think he uh, didn't do the homework that was needed and uh and we'll see where we end up. I don't. Do you guys have a friendly bet? Maybe you can bet one of Andrew's jerseys on this. I don't. Do you guys have a friendly <laughs> wager going with UCF, Mike? No, we, and we probably should have. Uh, but yeah. I'd like to point out that right now I'm second, and Eric's third. So I mean, we're we're, we're doing okay. 
So I've always wanted to do like a, like a podcast versus podcast, um, you know, challenge, right? Where it's, you know, the Suns versus Banneret, right? Our picks versus your picks, you know, losing show has to wear the other show's gear or something like that, right? I think that'd be a lot of fun. Kind of kind of Lebertard-esque, right? When they do the celebrity guest picker against Colin Cowherd, something oh, like that. Yeah, so yeah. maybe maybe next year we can get that working, you know, where someone's got to, you know, you know, uh, show off. We got to go to Andrew's closet and, and organize it for him or something. Who knows what the punishment could be? It's actually really organized. It's organized okay. by sport and by chronological of when okay. that particular jersey was worn. Uh, it's it's uh, a little bit ridiculous. In fact, I've been talking about taking it out and kind of redoing it, but that's going to take a few hours. Adam I, Adam, I think we just found your summer content show. When you get you get your on the podcast, just do the whole show on his closet and jerseys. I feel I don't think there's yeah. enough time. In the summer, there probably there is. No, I, I, summer, I mean, I don't definitely. think there's enough time in a single podcast to handle all that. Well, in the summer, you break that stuff up. I mean, content, baby. You, you just keep teasing it for the next week. You know what I mean? Like, tune in next week where we go through the Jays. You know, I mean, we'll just we'll tease it. On a similar <laughs> note, did either of you join in on the UCF auction by chance on the Space Game auction? I did not. No, I, I, I honestly, I don't know if the decals are still available. I thought about um, buying a decal set because I thought that actually be pretty cool. Uh, but I did not get in in the auction. Um, I feel like my wife would kill me. She wasn't happy with this, so I can't imagine that she's gonna love a Space Game jersey. How yeah, is that know, a problem? I I mean, how, that looks great. So she tries to double up the 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 studio here. Uh, also, sometimes doubles as an office. So she's on like a work Zoom call, trying to blur the background and not show everybody that there's a Culpepper jersey as she's talking about, you know, higher education, which apparently is a problem. Who knew? Yeah, <laughs> just deal with I it. Got to deal with it, Drew. Deal. I with was it. shocked too. I was shocked. A smart too. move, Adam. All right. Yeah, well, at, we, Adam, we've kept you long enough, but uh, we wanted to have you on. Thanks for uh, coming on. First of all, thanks because I know you've helped us. Behind the scenes as well, you've helped Jeff out actually kind of set up. This is our first show uh, being on uh, Facebook and Twitter as well as, well I as saw YouTube. The tell is the the, the StreamYard uh, logo. There's is no gone. logo. <laughs> yeah, like that's a, that's a no big tell. At all. That's a big <laughs> yeah, tell. We're working progress. We're not as advanced yeah. as you guys, but you've been a big help. You've been awesome to uh, get to know, and we love your shows. And again, we encourage people to check you out. Tuesdays usually is when it comes out. Sons of UCF podcast where the favorite devices and eight o'clock Thursday nights. Uh, most Thursday nights, unless there's a conflict like a football game and things like that. You got Sons of UCF live with Trace, Mike, and Adam live every Thursday night. The, the most live TV show since Seinfeld, Thursday night's prime time. Now, Adam, I do, and, and, I do want to point out, Adam, that when Trace got hit with the sprinklers, mm -hmm. I was there to witness it. It did happen. Okay. Yeah, uh, The fact that video does not exist of that has been really... Takes. That's no, that's no excuse. You keep rolling that stuff and just cut out what you don't need. I mean, and then somebody coming from the mist to attack Trace. I feel like there's a there's another story there. I feel like there's a there's a post part of that that I need to see at some point. Well, it's he's you know he's walking towards the 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 side away from the scoreboard, and I'm standing looking towards him as he's doing it, and and the sprinklers go off, and one shoots right at me, and I just had just enough time because I was looking to just dive out of the way. But I mean, it went off twice on him, and uh, it's unfortunate that the camera didn't keep running. But he goes, he goes in, in typical Trace wisdom. You know, we we live too much in our cell phones and in our videos, and we don't get to create those good memories because you create a video. Are you ever going to watch it again? <laughs> Look, I'm all for it. I think the 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 walk and talk to Trace is just becoming too easy. I think he needs some impediments along the way. Yeah, he needs he, something he to challenge him. Each week, I, I, I actually want him to do a walk and talk from J.P. Gilbert's backyard. Just show up and start walking around the backyard. Just see what happens. I mean, I think there's so many options available. And I, he just needs you know he needs challenges. I don't, it's just getting too easy for him at this point. I'll come photo bomb him or video bomb him. Can he get a walk and talk from your closet? Actually, that may be better. Where he's just trying on your jerseys, you know, one that after could one. Go out. I mean, go here, where I'm walking through Andrew's living room and route yeah. to his closet, where yeah. we will have our next episode of see? the Sons of UCF live. Throwing suggestions there. Oh, it boy. writes itself. See, it writes itself. I mean, I live two and a half hours away from Orlando, so I mean, it's going uh, to be a problem. He's been in Cincinnati. He's been in Houston. I mean, he could easily get to uh, to your neck of the woods. Hey, I've got an airport 10 minutes away from the house. There you go. Trace, <laughs> make it happen. All right. Uh, I don't know if Trace will talk to both of you now or you, Drew, anymore after that, but we'll see. We'll look forward to the follow-up on that, Trace, <laughs> on that. I'm sure there'll be a response. Uh, Adam and George. Trace. Yeah. Uh, Adam, thanks again for all the help. Uh, and thanks. It's been a blast talking to you. And uh, 
enjoy it. Send our best to Mike and uh, Trace, and we'll be watching and listening. But uh, enjoy the rest of the day for you. Thanks, guys. Go Knights. Charge on. That is Adam Eaton joining us from Sons of UCF. Awesome. That was uh, fun. We went a little bit, a little bit of everything on that one. But hey, when it's when you win forty nine, good time. And hey, where we all did today. That was the well, beauty. Winning of it. does that. Winning uh, big does that. You know, it cures a lot of problems. You know, like amen hangovers and broken legs and hurt backs. Get better, Jeff. Uh, you see, you can follow Adam by the way at Sons of UCF on Twitter. And of course on, uh, they're on all the favorite devices there. We can listen and watch. They do a great job. They're fun with trace and company there. So, uh, we did mention a couple of things before we sign off here. Uh, we mentioned we're both in the top 10, as you mentioned, we're, t- you and I are in top three. I'm good to hear. Glad you're here to that update. Yeah. We- I, you moved up to, to number three. Uh, I was already, uh, at number two. So one behind, uh, we're both one behind of the leader. Uh, the only difference between you and me is I blow you out of the water in tiebreaker points. Uh, that's because I forget to throw that in there at the sometimes. Those that's weeks. a you problem. I know it is. I'm just admitting it. <laughs> I'm admitting it. I mean, I have a problem. Uh, but I want to bring that up because Houston SMU is a big game as we talk right you now. Cincinnati kind of beats Tulane, but not impressive. And you kind of teased this earlier. Uh, Michigan State beat Michigan. That's a big win for the Spartans. Uh, top four of the first college football playoffs going to come out Tuesday night. I think you and I are on the same page here. I think we both think Cincinnati might be on the outside the top four. And people are going to flip out and they're going to say, oh, they're, they're, this is the system's keeping them down and stuff. But the last two weeks, they haven't been great. And you look at the league like the Big Ten, which I think is the second best conference in college football. I think if you know Ohio State, Michigan State, they have, you know, one of them is whoever wins the Big Ten and wins out likely gets in. If Georgia wins out, they're likely in. I mean, you got to look better than and, and Luke Fickle has said this. We have to dominate. Kind of an underwhelming performance by Cincinnati the last couple of weeks. And I'm not convinced that they're going to win this league. I still think SMU can beat them. And they're going to play later in the year. But your thoughts on this whole Cincinnati thing? Because I know everybody's going to flip out. And it's, oh, you know. But I, I, you know, they have a chance here. And they're not, and they're kind of disappointing. Uh, last week's been extremely disappointing. Yeah. After the curb stomping they put on UCF, they've just – all the wind that came out of their sails. I mean, they just kind of gone flat and they won by what 19 over or over Tulane. But most of that was in the second half. I, you know, you shouldn't be struggling for that long against a team. That's really not great. Uh, you know, you look at, you look at the standings, you know, Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma, uh, you know, Michigan state, that's technically, that would be my top four right now. And I would put Cincinnati at five. You know, because they don't look like a top four. This is a case where you need style points, uh, especially when you have multiple undefeateds and, and you're struggling against teams that aren't really that good. You know, Navy's not that good. You shouldn't no. be winning by that close of a margin. Tulane, yeah, they played tough against Oklahoma, but then they laid eggs throughout the year. So, I mean, okay, so they're really not that valuable either. You know, Ohio State has that one loss against Oregon, who's also a top 10 team. You know, that that keeps up in the and it keeps them in the hunt. Michigan's gonna have, you know, has that loss, you know, top 10, you know, team. And then Michigan State, you know, undefeated. They got that big win over the, the Wolverines, you know, yes. Um, you know, as the internal Ohio State fan of me is screaming with pride and joy that the Wolverines lose. Uh, you know, you you who someone's gonna have to be on the outside. Unfortunately, Cincinnati is the one who's done the least you know at least oklahoma has the cachet of of their prior success and the big 12 so uh, yeah are the is the deck stacked against cincinnati sure because oklahoma is not that good and i'm expecting to stumble at some point but if they keep winning they're going to keep being you know propped up yeah and people flip out about it but at the end you only four get in so that's just the way it goes uh there now you mentioned Tulane and that'll be what we kind of leave uh we'll end it on this that's UCF's next game four o'clock ESPN U it'll be at back in the bounce house so you'll be in the press box mm-hmm. early thoughts on the Tulane game uh Tulane is a, a vast disappointment of a team uh they they had that great game against Oklahoma and they just been kind of dying a slow, painful death ever since. You know, they had a close game against UAB, and then uh, that, that's pretty much how their whole entire season has gone. Uh, so, you know, going to the bounce house, not an easy place to play. 
they haven't scored uh, 30 points in any game outside of their win over Morgan State. Uh, so I mean, they're they're going to be a little starved for offense. You're facing a defense that's just getting better and better. They're they're aging like fine wine right now. And if this game today against a bad Temple team is able to kind of just let the light bulb go off, show the, the the team what they're capable of becoming, and being able to replicate it, it's going to be a long day for for the Green Wave. And that just you know you know gets UCF ready for. A really big challenge, you know, shortly after that. Should be interesting, right? I mean, I, and it's an example. Everybody jumped the gun on Tulane after that Oklahoma game. It's like, wow, they're really going to be pretty good. And number one in seven. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Guaranteed exactly. losing season. Oof. Disappointment, Willie Fritz and company. But I think there'll be, we'll see what UCF comes out if they can come out and dominate that game. Or, you know, do they, you know, up to now, I'll be curious to see how they respond in that game. Should be fun uh, to see. That's what, no, at 4 o'clock, we'll have it all covered for you on the blackandgobanneret.com. Make sure you keep it on blackandgobanneret.com. Make sure you keep it here on all our social media places. We'll have some big announcements. If you checked our site, actually, in some of our articles on early Saturday, you may have hit, you may have seen some new, uh, new names in there. We'll make some announcements. A big free agents moves here at the Banneret. We don't just re, we don't rebuild, we reload here at the Banneret, don't we, Drew? Uh, I'm already here, so you don't have to reload. Just saying. Uh, already here. Fair, fair, fair enough. Uh, Knee-jerk reactions will be up on the site as well. That's Drew's great articles as he recaps the game. Uh, make sure you also follow us, Nightcap uh, Bryson Turner, who's uh, getting ready for a big Sunday of UCF Athletics Women's Soccer Opening Round Soccer Tournament against Memphis. Must win for them in their postseason aspirations of the NCAA tournament. Big men's soccer match, UCF and SMU. Big implications in the conference championship race as well as NCAA tournament race. Uh, Anne-Marie Blady, our, our kind of our contributor, correspondent, will help uh, Bryson recap the cross-country championship. So we cover it all here, folks, on the Banneret. Make sure you check it out at blackandgobanneret.com. Make sure you check it out. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube page. Make sure you leave us a like. Make sure you leave us a review on our podcast. And, of course, uh, also follow us on our Facebook and Twitter pages. Uh, this was fun, Drew. This was fun. Always fun. A nice, easy victory to recap. Uh, victory is the best medicine. That is Drew Glukoff. Uh, thanks to, uh, of course, Adam Eaton for joining us here on this special edition of Night Shift. For uh, Mr. Drew Glukoff, I'm Eric Lopez. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Night Shift.